Crazy. Disruptive. Explicit. We say it like it is. Real world sales and marketing. Real stories from the road. Yeah, it's the real shit. This, this is the Recapic Podcast. Mm-hmm. Second time I did it right. Nobody what? knows this, but I didn't hit the right button the first time, so that was a second time. <laughs> it's a little inside baseball, but yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's so, all good. All good. So welcome, welcome to the Recapic Second Try Podcast, where <laughs> we're so great, we're willing to try a second time to make this work. Oh, man. Well, I am Trevor Brown. Uh, folks call me T. Brown, and I am not as good on the board as Jody is. It's all right. It's all right. My name is Jody Sally, a man so manly that I have two girls' names. Yes, very true. Is that? Can you say that nowadays? Is that like a thing? Like if I identify as... I'm not even sure how that works. I'm not even sure. I, I don't want to get sidetracked, but I will sidetrack you with this very, it's a very important question. So um, for those of you that don't know, I am an elite athlete. Then I bowl on an elite athlete bowling team for the industrial league at Westies in Boise. And I bowl with big fella. I bowl with Ferg. I bowl with Mondo and Pooh. And we are, four guys and a skunk mm-hmm. we were, we're thinking about changing our name to the, the cocaine bears and a douchebag but it just it doesn't have the same ring no but it's still good it's anyway, good we get into some we, we solve some world's problems while we're bowling pretty poorly i might add but this was the heated one of the heated debates that we had monday night at bowling league is who who would come out on top John Wick or Jason Bourne? Hmm. Who's the winner? Who's the winner? Who survives? Who takes who out? I'm a big Jason Bourne guy. So, yeah, see, I'm going to adamantly disagree with you. John Wick, John Wick, he killed, I don't even know how many people with a pencil. A pencil. Who does that? Right? He is a man of focus. Jason Bourne is, he's crazy. He doesn't even know who he is, though, really. I mean, John Wick does. Can I choose Cocaine Bear? Was that one of the options? Did I hear that cocaine one in there? Because I'm taking Cocaine Bear all day. That's funny, though, because it does start all with day. Um, huh. Those are the kinds Mando, of things. Maybe argued with me for a long time. He was like, Jason Bourne all the way. And I'm like, no. Have you seen? But here's the thing. I go, have you seen any of the John Wicks? And he's like, well, no. And I'm like, dude, John Wick kills way more people than Jason Bourne. Jason Bourne's always on the defense. John so, Wick is on the offense. So one bit of information I have that the listeners don't have is that I know that you guys are not bowling very well this year um, or this season. Do you think maybe it's the fact that you're focusing on certain things like this and not the bowling maybe? No, the reason is because we don't knock all the pins down the first time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ferg's really good about motivating us because he's our team captain. He just tells us very simply, you need to bowl better. Yeah. Knock down some fucking pins. Yeah. It's pretty much, I mean, he coaches us up pretty well. Well, but we did have, we had a rough season because you want me to get into the inside baseball of this? It's kind of fascinating. You know what? This is actually a good transition. You ready for this? Here's my transition. I'm ready. All right. So there is a construct to how things are scored and how things are done, just like in business, right? Mm -hmm. There's ways that business works. There's ways that things become best practices within certain fields. 
it's from experience it's from all these different things and you, if you understand how everything works then it makes sense what those results are if you don't use best practices you're not probably going to do well unless the landscape has completely changed and there's new best practices but one of the best practices of bowling league is everybody show up because if you don't show up you have to bowl what's called blind so if your average is let's say it's 150 because you're bowling blind and you're not there you take a 10 point penalty and you are playing defense all you can do is with your blind because you're not there is you get a 140 every game if the guy that you're bowling against if he beats you he gets the point if you beat him you don't get the point you just defend him from taking the point so you can't accrue points if you're not there you can only defend them not hmm, getting points yeah. so Pooh had shoulder surgery and has been gone a lot and then mando's been gone a little bit here and there because of his crazy work schedule i was in mexico for a week so i was gone for a couple weeks so if you start adding up all of the games that we gave away points it's no duh that we're sucking scum on the bottom of the pond hmm. it's part of the construct so my beautiful segue to that is understanding how the construct of that thing works. It's not a surprise when you do not have success for you going to a certain event, you got to see some behind the scenes of what does make something else that you were a little bit skeptical of that actually does make it more successful. The little things of encouragement, the little things of team building, little things of positivity, of structure, of how the process of things work. And when you have all that in place with the story you're about to tell, mm -hmm. there are things that you can recognize as a student of business, as a student of marketing, as a student of sales. You see that stuff and you go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually really, really good. And it applies here, 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 and here. And there are just universal truths that make that stuff work. How's that for a setup? Wow. That is just like teeing it up. Big old yeah. fat Home softball run. sitting on top of a tee that's, for that's me. Bowling, that's what we call a strike. Oh, I feel like I'm just batting, I'm batting against a bunch of second graders right now. So let me knock this one out of the park. I, uh, I was not planning on this podcast, uh, subject it just happened to me which i there's even some of my best our best subjects have been things that just happen in life so um you'll notice that the the girl boss is uh not with us tonight she's actually uh super tired and so she was not feeling the the recording we're recording kind of late so she's she went to bed went but to bed. uh it gives me the opportunity to talk behind her back uh so this is perfect i fully support it so <laughs> She is a speaker and instructor for a company that does real estate training programs. So that's and that's kind of the funny, you know, quick version of this. But I the first when we first started dating, and she invited me to one of these. She's like, "Hey, I gotta go to Chicago. I'm supposed to speak at this thing. Do you want to go with me? It's a free trip." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's fine. That's fine." And uh, and so I go out to this. You know, I'm like, "All right, whatever. Free trip to Chicago. Let's do it." So we go out to Chicago. I don't realize that she's as big a deal 
uh, as she is in this. I mean, I know she's a big deal locally, but we get to Chicago and we literally get the black car picks us up. We get the, the, you know, the back room with peanut M&Ms and, and, you know, diet Pepsis for me and, you know, whatever. Like, I mean, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, this is like real. Like she's like a, a big deal here. We literally get there. She's speaking to, you know, hundred, couple hundred people in this group there in Chicago. It's live streaming to like six other cities where they're doing list, you know, watch parties and stuff. She's getting people calling in and doing, uh, you know, uh, questions over the, you know, we have Heather, we have a question from St. Louis, you know, and Jim from St. Louis, what's your question? You know, and like she's up on stage all day for like eight hours or two days. Actually, I think she was up there, but anyway, um, just you know i'm like okay this is a little bit bigger than i realized and so she was teaching her fix and flip classes which is you know her remodel and, and reno classes and i'm like oh, okay still didn't really know what the whole system was i'm like don't know why she's getting paid to do this don't know what the deal is so i was like oh that was cool we've done a couple more of them i've gone to a couple different events where she's spoken but it's always been about just what she's doing so she invites me to go she says hey the company i'm working with is in this we clarify we're not being sponsored this is not a product plug for anybody even if they but if they do want to pay us i'd be happy to take some yeah, money we're not going to turn that down. i'm not going to turn it down there. i would be happy to take any sponsorship we'll money we'll send you a thank you card and right. everything so if bob snyder's listening he's the owner uh Hi, bob. It, yeah and if uh, jay the president if he wants to you know uh jay Stout, Hi, jay. if he wants to you know give us a call he can pay us too anyways company's called renatus and it's a it's basically a um uh, real estate investment, you know, and real estate education system. And what they do is they have educators and everything and they, and they basically sell these, you know, they sell these education systems. So the more I'm getting into it, I'm, she invites me to this, uh, national conference. It's like their big conference of the year. This is the one you just went to. Just went to, it was in Salt Lake city, Utah. We went down there, we we're down there for three days. And so we go there and I'm kind of just going as arm candy as my professional trophy you husband. You great. Yeah. yeah. You're a great trophy husband. Trophy husband, you know, weekend all weekend. I just figured I got to look good, brush the beard, no look, you, you know, so tired. look, look, yeah. yeah, look all tight. So I was like, all right, I get, it. I'll just have to walk around, and look pretty. But in the, you know, while I'm doing this, I'm having to kind of walk, like sit through these meetings, like, or sit through this, cause it's just a huge convention. There's 600 people in this convention center and I'm one of them. And we're sitting at this reserve table for the, uh, you know, for the uh, instructors and their arm candy. And so I, I do listen a lot to uh, Andy Frazella, as I think everybody knows, but Andy always talks about how he'll listen to a two hour you know, speech, if he can get one sentence out of it, it makes sense. Or he'll read a whole book to right. get a couple sentences out of it. Like you just got to look at life as like, that. Oh, maybe I'm going to get something. So I know I'm going to have to be here for three days. I'm going to sit and listen and maybe I'll get one little nugget out of that. That will make it worth my week. Right. So I start sitting there. The first thing that happens in is, and this is probably one of the best lessons in sales. If you're, you're listening to this for sales, uh, let me tell you, this is probably one of the smartest things you can do if you can understand this concept. A salesman always is going to tell you how great everything is. A customer of that product is your best testimonial. Um, they lined up for two hours. And this sounds a little bit like it might have been redundant or boring. I was in such awe as a, uh, as a student of sales and salesmanship that they they have this huge conference. They've rented out this room. God only knows how much money they've spent for this event. 
And they spent the first two hours of the opening of the conference calling what they call the Walk of Fame. And it basically was anyone who sold something with their product got to get up on stage, say who they were, where they were from, and what, you know, what they sold or whatever. So for two fucking hours, people just walked up to the mic, grabbed them. Hi, I'm Jimmy, Jimmy Joe from Tennessee and, uh, you know, from whatever, you know, Nashville, Tennessee, and I love Renatus. I have made $120,000 this year selling real estate. I have four rental houses now, and I own two short, short set, you know, or two uh, short-term rentals, and uh, I've bought six deals now, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay, and then everybody claps and moves. And they do this for two hours of people just standing up in front of the room from all over, not only the country, but the world, like people from South America and stuff coming in, just talking about how great this product is and how they, you know, didn't believe it was going to be this good and it was this good. So really it starts kind of dawning on me more than anything, and the big elephant in the room was like, this is kind of an MLM. This is like a pyramid thing. Like I start kind of putting it all together and I'm like asking Heather, I'm like, so, so people sell the, and then the guy, and then she's like, yeah, you sell this. And then you bring on a team. And when you make your team of real estate professionals, and then if they bring anyone in, then you make a cut of that, a commission off it. And I'm like, okay, so it's a multi-level marketing. And she's like, yeah, they don't like to call it that. It's, it's direct (laughs) sales. And I'm like, kind of <laughs> okay i'm like but it's let me relational. let me just cut to the chase here i'm like i'm gonna be the the dickhead in the room here let me just say it's That's it's new for you it's, it's mlm right and then um, she's like well yeah i guess you know it is we you know i mean they're under the same umbrella and so then i'm just like kind of got that shitty like mm, okay you know like anyone sales probably like people mm-hmm. listening right now and they hear me say that they're like <laughs> okay <laughs> i'll be honest i went through three days of this stuff and i realized as a sales trainer as a consultant as a podcaster about the subject there was a lot of nuggets i took out of this whole week and it it was just amazing it started with that where they got up and i'm like that's the best sales but you can do is to get people in front of a room saying all the great things that they've done with it not the owner of the company not salespeople. um and then just over the weekend, there was just multiple things, just positivity and the group that surrounded everybody and stuff. It was, it was phenomenal. Like, I mean, the, we went three days and I never heard anyone say anything negative in three days. I mean, that's, a, that's amazing. How, how do you do that? I, I don't know. It was, it was just an eye opening experience to me. And I think what it made me realize is, you know, and I, you've said it before, like there, you know, there's certain good things to take away from everything right there's little nuggets and everything that you but can you gotta look for them and that's one of the things i love about andy is is he gets the big picture right the holistic approach of yeah there might be 99 percent of stuff that i'm not necessarily going to use but that one percent may change my perspective enough to make a massive trajectory shift that leads to something amazing but if you're not looking for it you can get lost in the 99 percent of like nah. But if you're negative about it, you're not, you're just, you're not even going to look the negative parts easy. The hard part is looking for the nuggets when you, you put your blinders on and, and it was yeah. so funny. So Heather kind of didn't even, I mean, she did, but I don't think she knew what she, you know, that she did it or was doing it. So we were out on a walk and we're, you know, it's freaking blowing snow. It's, 
Utah and they were they're getting dumped on right now. But so it's snowing and we're walking and we got to do this. We're on a diet thing we're doing and and we have to do this forty five minute walk outside. And so we're I'm outside just getting hammered with snowflakes, and I kind of just keep thinking about like that. It really affected me. Like I mean, the, I, my brain was just moving after the first day. I was just like. God, I really want to hate this thing, but like there was so much positive out of it. I'm like, there was so many things that were positive. Like I said, the way the people, what people were saying, I mean, the way they were doing it. Like, I mean, I agreed with 90% of what they said today. And I'm like, and I really didn't expect that. And she's like, well, what do you expect? And she's like, what's, what do you think is bad? about? It? I go, well, I go, here's the deal. I go, I'm just cut to the chase. My fear is, I said, I put myself in that position. If I'm selling this, right? Okay, I'm selling this product or whatever, and, and it's 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 twenty three thousand dollars, twenty four thousand uh, dollars for this this system, and you know, and and they're like, you know, they break it up for payments or whatever, but it's a one time fee. It's for your life, so it's not like it's you know some you know once a year and then you got to pay dues or whatever. You you just have access to all this information, and so I'm like, she's like, okay. I go, what if you just have somebody come up and they take this, uh, you know, they, they spend $23,000 with, you know, to me or to Renatus and, and, and under my word. And then they come up to me in a year and they're like, I lost my ass and you took all my money and I don't know, you know, like, and I said, does that ever happen? And she's like, yeah, it happens. And she goes, but let me ask you a question. When you were selling uh, you know, insulated concrete forms and setting up distributors all over the country. How did you set them up? Did they have to spend any money? Oh well, yeah. They, when I set up a distributor, they have to, it's required. They have to buy a truckload of product to have an inventory. Right. Part of the, part and that's of the process. about $25,000. And then they have to buy another about ten to $15,000 worth of rental equipment. That's required. And then they got to get a lease or a, a rent a space or if they don't have one to run their business out of because they have to have a location that I can send customers to. And she goes, okay. So they're $40,000 into you to start a distributorship of, you know, what you call a, you know, reputable, respectable business. And she goes, have you ever had people call you? You've been doing it for 23 years. Have you ever had somebody call you and say, I didn't, I'm not making any money. You know, I'm like, fucking yeah. Every couple of weeks, somebody would call me. I said, I had 110 distributors. I had 20 really successful ones. You know, that leaves a hundred of them that were, you know, calling me up saying dude i've been i bought all this product and it's just sitting here and then i would say well do you, are you doing home shows are you joining any building contractor associations are you Part calling on people how many calls are you making yeah. a week like i'd start really tearing down what they were doing and she goes listen to the let your listen to these listen to these you know she goes tomorrow you're going to hear people talk they're going to explain this and i think it's going to really resonate and she goes, I think you're going to think it's fine. And I'm just like, all of a sudden it clicked for me. I'm like, holy shit, I do the same thing. The <laughs> yeah. same thing, right? I, I go to somebody and I say, hey, since here's here's my business idea. Here's my business concept. You're going to buy my product, become a distributor for me, spend $40,000, and then you're going to make more money. And then if they don't, it's not because I didn't support them because I support the shit out of them. I give them everything they need, the product, all that stuff. And this like literally light bulb comes on in the middle of the snowstorm. Ding. I'm like, holy shit. I do the exact same thing. Just a different product. And she's like, yep. Yep. And she's like, just wait. 
So sure as shit, the next day they start talking about it and they're like, how to build your business. And they're like, here's a deal. And they stood on that stage in front of the 600 and said, we sell you the tools to do the job. You're, we're not the carpenter and we're not going to go out there and sell this for you. You have to go get the meetings with other people. You have to go find the real estate. You have to go make the calls to the banks and to the, you know, mortgage. You know, like these are, we're going to show you how to do it and what you need to do. But if you don't do it, you're going to fail. And yeah, you are going to lose that $23,000. But if you don't and you do what we tell you to do, you're going to make a bunch of money. But that's the key, right? That's the whole idea behind best practices. It comes from experience. And one of the things you were telling me before the podcast was all of the speakers, it's not academic, right? It's people that are out there doing it and understand what the landscape is and understand what best the best practices are and why they work within the market itself. As opposed to somebody that's in a vacuum of academics that says, well, that's actually not, not the, what we're seeing. Well, no, in the real world, this is how it works. That's the, that's the beauty of it. But it's just, I mean, think about it this way, right? You guys are on the diet program. If you're not putting in the time to do the 45 minutes, by the way, that's been figured out. 45 minutes is the right number based off of a bunch of research that those guys have done. And then a 45 minute workout that's based off of some research that's been done that produces a certain set of results, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to get, and it's, it's in anything. If you want the result of X, you have to do a B and C in order to get there. And the a B and C has been proven. Those are the best practices. If you're marketing a business or a product, and you're, you're putting money into your marketing and advertising and all that stuff, it doesn't happen overnight. It does take a, a smart, targeted approach where you're talking to the right audience. Go, I mean, there's, there's a whole bunch of funny stories going on right now about who's not talking to their – or talking the wrong message to their target audience, <laughs> right? Uh. Google it. <laughs> <laughs> you have to understand that you're not necessarily the audience. I'm talking to business owners out there that are not listening to their marketing people. <laughs> <laughs> but no more than the You're market. not the target. The target might be somebody that is totally different than you. And that's okay. It's just understanding that from that marketing lens, you have to understand who you're talking to, what resonates with them. So from what you're telling me, here's what I love. It resonated with you when you put it through the lens of how you've done business but it also resonated the credibility of you get it because you've been on the road doing it. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I do. It's just a slightly different way of of doing it. It was an and, epiphany. Like I literally yeah. was like it, because I know my job so well and I know what I do so well. I know exactly the pieces and parts and I know exactly what goes into what I do. And when I'm sitting there listening to these instructors and I'm going holy shit, they're right. Like this is, mm -hmm. I was trying so hard to make this thing not work, right? Like I was trying to break it. I was just like, this is, there's, I'm like, nah, there's something wrong here. There's just something what's wrong the here. There's what's, what's the there's just something not working, right? And like, and it was so funny because everything that I would like, you know, I always say to salespeople, when you go in, you should have a plan for how, if it was going to go perfect, how, if it was going to go okay, and how, if it went really shitty, you should kind of know how that's going to lay out before. Like you should know like, oh, if I say this and he says this, then boom, we're going to sell something that's going to be awesome. 
And then I know if I say this and now I'm going to work a little harder and he's going to do this. And then this guy just goes ape shit on me. And for some reason, like, you know, whatever my product I have killed his mom or something and it's going to go really bad. I need to know how to react to that. So you kind of have to have those three little things of how you're going to react to it. And I'm like literally like, oh, yeah, but what about if this? And then it was like the next speaker would come up and talk about it. One of my big things that I and again, I keep saying this. This is not a commercial for Renatus. I just want to point out something that they did so well that I think other businesses can really learn from and not quite be so quick to poo-poo a a direct marketing company slash MLM um, company because these people you know there's there's companies out there that obviously have done bad things and that's why that has such a bad you know rap right they've kind of worked themselves out of the market. I mean, we know a lot of people like we have Melaleuca out here in Idaho, which is based out of Eastern Idaho and they're worldwide. We have Sensi, which is based out of Boise. Um, So take a wild guess. What was their revenues for 2022? Keep in mind 15 years ago. So my (laughs) ex-wife was one of the first, probably 300 uh, consultants with Sensi. It, it never worked for her because she didn't put in the time. It, it just wasn't her personality. It wasn't a good fit. We were grabbing our product out of a teeny tiny warehouse off of Franklin Road. It wasn't even a warehouse. It was like in a strip mall. And their kids were running around. The right. people that founded the kids are running around. Last year's revenues, $3.9 billion. Billion. What makes it successful? A, it's a great product. It's a great, and yeah. it, they ne- they never stopped innovating. They never stopped designing, but the relational elements of that, and just the simplicity of it, and they just absolutely killed it. But it's understanding, and I think one of the epiphanies that I love that you kind of came around to is what are those universal truths about sales, about marketing, about product, about really at the end of the day, it's about, it doesn't matter what the product is. It's about the success of reaching a good audience with a great product, with a great process to deliver, frankly, a good experience for the customer and for whoever the vendor is or whoever the builder is or whoever the whatever is. How do you build that support structure? How do you do all that stuff to make that, to make it work so that it is flexible, so that it is nimble in a crazy market? Because if it's not, Hello, pandemic. You, you might not survive it. The other thing is, it's like you, you know, you always talk about um, the, you know, the the steel sharpening steel thing, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So I love that because it, I saw it on so many different levels. Like I was sitting with the instructors and eating lunch with the instructors and stuff, right? Well, what you realize really quick is, is and and, and actually, I, I didn't have to realize this because. Uh, Bob, the owner, actually like talked about it at the very beginning. He says, "One, you know, people ask what makes us different. The difference is, is we don't hand you a book and and teach you academically from some professor that that knows the subject. Exactly. Every one of our instructors is actively doing the job they're teaching you right now. So, using my wife as an example, she is actively remodeling houses and building new construction houses right now as we speak." So she's up there teaching in a real time, real world where people can ask her a question and she can say, well, this last week we had an issue with a plumbing situation where we had to have the plumber come in and move this pipe, blah, blah, blah. Or 
Likewise, they had um, the which he was next to my wife, of course, because she's going to listen to this and get angry. Uh, my favorite presenter is a guy named Mark Kohler. Uh, Mark is, I think, everyone there's favorite presenter. He's just the most charismatic person. And you can look him up online. He's actually, uh, you know, pretty pretty famous. He's YouTube famous. He's a um, he somehow makes uh, CPA and legal. He's a uh, he's a legal CPA basically. He does he does real estate CPA and um, legal firm, and he's very famous. Like he's been on a lot of shows. He's, you know, he's a blue check mark. He's, he's a big deal. Um, he is a hilarious presenter and he's funny and he dances around and he's good, you know, but he's legit. His job is not being this instructor. This is just something he does on the side and he believes in their program and he helps people and they pay him to come and teach his program. His main job is owning a legal and CPA firm that helps real helps huge real estate companies. So like this guy's, legitimately today sitting at a desk you know he may be in that room teaching a class this last week uh, in salt lake city and then today he's punching numbers into a calculator doing the fucking job that he was teaching right and the same thing with the mortgage guy the same thing with the the guy that you know the the guy that handles you know short sales or whatever like every single person that's an instructor is an active actively doing what they're teaching. And that was what I think was the biggest difference because you're talking to these guys and they're like, yeah, this week I did this and people could ask them questions and they're like, well, that's, that's crazy. Cause yeah, we had this happen in our job site. That's, that's what I love about right? it. Right. That's real world market telling you the results, real time credibility. It's, you, it's how I no made a living. It's honestly how yeah. I made the living. I have, I have told people over and over again, you know, they think they can just grab a guy, stick him in my position and he's going to sell. And it's, it's hard to do. I mean, we've got guys that, you know, we're training now to fill in my positions, but the thing is, is they're great sales guys. They're great dudes and they, they're going to do very well, but you cannot replace 20 years of doing a job when I'm walk into a room and start selling somebody something that I've been doing for 20 years. And well, that's, that's the, the 10, difference. Hours, right? That's the idea of expertise. It takes 10,000 hours because we know that it takes 10,000 hours. But the X factor of that is not just the, the pure hourly accruement of that. It's the right. It's adding up all those hours when that's part of your gifting. Right. You can spend 10,000 hours doing stuff and get good at it. But there's like there are performing artists, singers, right? Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift was a signed uh, songwriter by Sony at age 14, right. right? Gifted. But she also put in the time. Her family sold their family farm and moved just outside of Nashville so that she could be have proximity to the decision makers to basically set up being signed as a writer. And then you look at her journey of songwriting and all that stuff. She's got the 10,000 hours, but there's also – she is freakishly gifted at what she does. She's was born to do that. So one of the encouragements in that is that when you find something that you're good at and you settle into that, like from the, I was actually telling Gavin this the other day, Gavin was in my garage on Saturday, welding together some table legs for me. And he and I were jibber jabbering about some stuff. And, and I was laughing. I was like, man, you are just like your dad, like just, <laughs> 
talking about his plans and talking about what he wants to do and talking about his game plan and talking about his, his time management and wanting to do this and wanting to do that. Like ever since I've known you, you're that guy. You're, you're going to go chase that stuff down, but then you put the gifting on top of the 10,000 hours, man, that's where that expertise comes in. And you cannot fake that credibility, that, that expertise along with the, the gifting of it. And people pay attention to that. It's magnetic, which is one of the things that makes, I think, this type of a process or this type of a program so successful is there's no frauds in it. And it's not really, they don't have to sell. Right. They have a product that they're offering. It's kind of like, so I, I do a ton of work for a big automotive group. One of our, one of my big lines that I put everything through when I write is the idea that we're not here to sell you a vehicle. We're here to help you buy one. We're going to listen to your needs. We're going to listen to your budget. We're going to listen to everything. Then we're going to help you. We're going to be a partner. We're going to treat you right. And we're going to get you a good deal on a car. There's a big difference between selling you, trying to sell you something that you may not need and helping you succeed. Because when I do succeed, I come back and I get, it, it's just the cyclical, beautiful thing of credibility where it's like, yeah, and it worked. The, the power of the testimonial, um, my 10,000 hours is in building radio commercials, right? I can tell you exactly how long it takes to talk to somebody to get to the meat of a good testimonial because they're going to come in right. and they're going to tell you between 18 and 20 minutes of that discussion are going to be about what they think they're supposed to say and hit all of the little check boxes on friendly and courteous staff with belly buttons and buttholes. They're fantastic. <laughs> right. Everybody's got that and it's expected, but it, and it's the same transition every time because you start having a conversation with them and then they start to tell you the story and they say the same thing. Actually, you know what it was? And then I bought them. Hit record. That's the meat. That's <laughs> yeah. the meat, right? Because that's the story of their success, the story of the, the, the fantastic customer experience. In your case, what you got to see and what you got to hear is the stories of what made those guys successful. It's the real-time responsiveness, right? They're not selling it. They're providing a resource that just happens to cost X amount of money. Well, they show you their success and then right. ask you if you want to follow. It's not a... You know, and, and I think that's the it. big difference, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, I, I look at it and I look at things and I've been in, you know, I've been approached a thousand times. I mean, I, I've been a pretty good salesman most of my life and usually people pick up on that. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, they're like, you know what? I'd like to talk to you. You should come to a meeting. I'd like to, to you know, come to my house. And I'm like, you know, okay. I'm like, no, like, uh, is there going to be a whiteboard involved or like a, uh, you know, big sheet of paper or something and and oh no 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 this you know yeah it's it's kind of one of those things and i'm like it it always was something that i didn't really i couldn't really believe in and you're like this is not the you know this isn't going to work kind of thing and it was pick that apart a little bit pick it apart why is it that that made you go because you had to sell something that whole thing that that's inside of you that is that dissonant chord that you're like oh well, that's always stuff that people already have. It's it's kind of exactly. like that. Like, hey, exactly. we sell shampoo. Oh, well, I already have shampoo. 
Uh, why is your shampoo. shampoo different? Well, because ours has our logo on it, and we sell everything with our logo on it. And oh, you want cornflakes? We have those too. You know, and I it just was like, okay, I can't get behind that. Where you know, this goes back to that whole um, one of the instructors. Who, so there was like some really crazy stuff too that I learned about. That again, thank you, Andy Frizzello, for the idea of just like if I could have sat through that whole thing and only got one thing at one nugget which I got a ton of nuggets, but one of the nuggets, there's a guy, his name's Woody Woodward and he's a, a you great know, name. I know. And, uh, he, he's a professional speaker. He's written books. He's, I mean, he's, he's a big deal and, and, uh, does a lot of different stuff. And he taught a course during this week on, uh, uh, AI mm-hmm. and, uh, the, I always screw up this chat, the GP chat, chat or something for, I don't know, anyways, but the chat thing, right, where you can type in anything and it will write. It was freaky. It's, he did it live, like, on the screen, and everyone was just like, what the fuck? Like, he, you know, he there's literally. A, there's an art one. There's a painting one. Yeah, he literally the typed in. He, he, he wrote a poem for his wife, and he literally was like, we've been married 27 years. Her name is this. We have four kids, and she's been with me through the ups and downs. Bloop. And it put it out, like, this beautiful poem within seconds that was, like, amazing. Uh, but anyways, he had a lot of really good things that he talked about, and one of the things that you you really talk to, you know, when we talk about um, what this program offers when they have expect, you know, actual experts that you can reach and touch out and talk to. He he talked about uh, Henry Ford. So there was a point where Henry Ford, um, you know, he's doing well, but the, the uh, board decided and the stockholders were decided maybe he wasn't smart enough to run the company. They're like, you know what? You just, you know, you're not, you're not that smart. You know, I can't remember. He had, didn't have a very good education and he, you know, whatever. I can't remember the whole, a lot of people probably know the Henry Ford story. Anyways, he, he was not equipped to be this, the owner of Ford motors, you know, because he just wasn't smart enough. He needed to hire someone smarter. And he says, and they were talking to him and he points to his desk and he says, do you see that switchboard right there? They said, yeah. And he says, at the end of each one of those buttons is the smartest human in the world in that particular, you know, idea. Right. And he says, if I don't know something, I pick up the phone and hit that button. And I actually have an expert on the other line that tells me exactly what I need to do. And it was like, hmm. And that's kind of the concept of this company is they say we're going to give you experts that you're going to have a keyboard and you're going to be able to you know plug in to these experts you know oh i don't know how to buy a commercial property that's in foreclosure well guess what we have a course then you can hit the button right here watch the video and if you need more than that you can actually reach out to the instructor of that and they will get back to you with what you should do right like i mean there's there's like this amazing like switchboard of smart people and it's like and what it kind of made me think about is i'm like you know what that's that's so true like we can't all know everything right but if we had access to that knowledge and able uh, the ability to just reach out because we all do it in one way shape or form i you know i mean i luckily i'm married to somebody who's a super genius with accounting right i can Mm -hmm. call her and she tells me what i need to know about accounting you know how i love spreadsheets i just have someone else that can do spreadsheets i'm amazed that you got pajamas that were like an excel spreadsheet type of pattern that's that's awesome that's like one of those big onesies fuck spreadsheets god i I hate spreadsheets i I love spreadsheets i'm a freak i'm a total i'm both ends of the spectrum i love spreadsheets and i love absolute 
pivot on a dime creative. That's not a great idea. This is a better idea. Uh, sir, we're actually filming it right now. I know. Let's do it this way. It's better. <laughs> it's not on the spreadsheet, sir. Yeah, it, it's just there's just certain things that you got to have other people that can do that stuff. Right. And it just was kind of mind blowing. Like, like I said, going back to even thinking that clear back as far as, as forward, you know, he didn't have a computer, right. So he has a switchboard that he can call another human that knows it, you know, like he can't Google it or AI it or I, you know, so it was an, kind of a, interesting. I'll interrupt you because yeah. at what point does an expert in blank, I mean, imagine those conversations, uh, Sir Henry Ford's on the line. He has a question about something. Like, <laughs> yeah. think about that though for a second. How how difficult was the technology back then? But how simple the relational element of that was back then, right? Because people understood it because everything was, for the most part, kind of more of a face to face type of a thing. The relationship element of it was had a, a lot of power. Versus today, we have, and you, we've talked about it on the podcast, we're dumber now with more information at our fingertips than the entire history of mankind all put together cumulatively. I can look it up on my phone in, you know, 0.43 seconds, and you've got 75,000 results. Thank you, Dr. Google. I mean, it's amazing. But yet he's smart enough to recognize, hey, I don't have to be the smartest guy in the room but what i do have is a vision of what i want the american public to have mm -hmm. and how do i do that in a in an efficient way right it's i mean he was all about efficiency that yeah. was his expertise that was his genius and it, the efficiency is i don't have to spend all the energy in your case to do a bunch of spreadsheets i'm going to put I've got a hundred Trevor units every single day. Where do I put those units? Right. I put them in the most efficient possible place to get the biggest yield on my return. And that for you is right. Sales. It's talking to people. It's teaching people about a product. It's teaching people about a process. It's, it's, I mean, it's pretty fascinating to pick it apart and look at what makes it work. It goes back to the best practices, right? What makes the best practices work? It's time tested trial and error and seeing, well, actually the research will show that blank. I mean, dude, we, we struggle with this as a, a very reputable marketing and advertising firm trying to explain to a client why it might be better to do. So like one example was whether or not you want to do one website or two different websites for specific needs mm -hmm. and there there's opinions. Well, we think we need blank. Well, actually there's been this study, this study and this study that all say the same thing that the best practices is to do it this way. And here's why it's not a gut feeling. It's actually researched out and proven it's the results. So it's pretty interesting picking, picking apart how it all works, but you could boil it all back down to one idea. It's it's efficiency for Henry Ford. It was efficiency. Yeah, I don't have to. I got I got this switchboard. Well, it's interesting. Like, how's that going to change? And I was kind of. I mean, we're pivoting a little bit to the because we love the pivot uh, love to the, the artificial. Pivot. You know, he talked about artificial intelligence. He goes, "That's not accurate. It's actual intelligence. It's coming to us through something that is not human." 
but it's actual intelligence that's out on the internet and available. So no different than Henry Ford calling Joe, the guy that knows accounting and spreadsheets. Uh, he, he calls him, well, that's what AI is doing. It's just reaching out to the interwebs and getting all the information. So it's, it was a very interesting concept of like, and he, his whole thing was he, he only says in, there was a moment where he thought that he was not, going to be needed anymore like uh you know he he was valued to his son he was valued to his customers he had all his value and basically everything he was teaching people's on the internet and if you have a machine now you know with with the openai.com or whatever and you can go hit a button and they can tell you all this stuff and sound just like an expert they can write a an, a news article that sounds just like an expert he's like well what am i doing as a business author writing business books. Now there's a chat that can do a whole, write a whole business book, you know? And it was really interesting. And he said, but the difference is, is that human interaction. Yeah. And that's still not going to be able to get, you're not going to be able to get around that. You can't, you can't replace it. I mean, (laughs) in, in everything, I mean, you think of it, everything, a mechanic, like just (laughs) the psychological element of a good mechanic, you know, or think of, I mean, real life experience, two different neurologists. One of them has a real super shitty bedside manner and he's incredibly intelligent, but he's just a douche. Mm -hmm. The other one is equally as smart, but he's also funny and he just relates like a human. On paper, they may look exactly the same. I guarantee you there's one that everybody would rather go see. And it's the yeah. guy that connects with you. And it goes back to that idea that I was talking about earlier, that idea of resonance, right? Being resonant. And that's that's why AI, it doesn't ever fulfill that human need because it, it, the human nature is not, it's not an algorithm. Well, think of this. We literally replaced encyclopedias with Google, right? Like Google could be looked at as somebody that like old school, our grandparents look at an encyclopedia and go, wow, that's just amazing that there's all that information in these books. And then you tell them, well, I can just type it into this computer screen and it's just going to tell me it. I don't have to, I don't need an encyclopedia. Oh no, no, that's crazy. There's no way. And oh my God, the world's going to hell. I can't believe it. Well, what did we do? We figured out how to make Google a tool that they even teach kids in school. Now they actually will say in an assignment, Google this and do the research on Google about this. Like it's become a thing that they just accept. Right. And I think that's what you're going to see with the AI stuff and stuff. But, um, you know, kind of, one of the things too, you know, the other things that was really in just enlightening and, and I thought was very encouraging about this, this, uh, conference was the, uh, just the camaraderie, like the, the, I mean, you talk about the human effect and you talk about that's that resonance, though. that resonance, that's, right. That's and resonance the other thing is everybody moving the same direction. Right. And we all talk about like, you are who you surround yourself with. Right. Right. I was in a room with 600 super positive people all wanting to learn about real estate. And you would go to lunch and these people would sit at the table and they would look at you. How you doing? Where are you from? I'm doing this. Oh, I just bought. And I mean, I met a guy that bought, I met two people that bought hotels, old hotels. were wow. refurbishing them and turning them into apartments. 
I met a, we met people who bought a storage facility with this program and learned how to do it, bought a storage facility and rehabbed it, which who would think to rehab a storage facility, but they went in, cleaned it up, fixed it up, you know, put a better fence around it, better security system, up the rents on it and able to be able to, you know, sell it for more money, you know, like, right. I mean, these are all kind of things like these, the, but you're in a room with all these people and you're like, you did what? Like every day you could meet someone new that had done something I didn't know could be done. Right. And every one of them said the same thing. Yep. That's what I learned with this program, man. That's why I love it. And none of them, they're selling each other. Cause everyone there, if you're at this conference, you're already sold. So there's no selling going on at this conference. There's nobody in the room that they're, trying to sell to they're just in there celebrating their successes right and um one guy told a story that i thought was so amazing because in my mind it is so to the fact of what's wrong with the world today and also what's right with the world today is and and it goes back to that natural thing of uh you know who you surround yourself with and we've we've always believed this but he said he was working at jiffy lube or one of the you know Anyways, oil change place during the day, and he was working at Walmart at night, throwing freight at night. And uh, just to keep trying to put money away to get an apartment with him and his wife. His wife was pregnant. They were still living in their parents' basement, you know, trying to get out of the house and uh, just struggling along. Guy came through his oil change. You know, obviously, good sales guy starts chatting up the guy, changing his oil, you know, talking to him. You know, well, what, do you, what do you like about this place? I don't really like this place. I'm just changing oil. I got to make a living. Have you ever thought about looking into real estate? I don't have any money. Well, what if I could show you a way to buy real estate with no money? Yeah, that sounds too good to be true. You know, well, we're having this meeting. You're welcome to come to it, blah, blah, blah. You know, did the typical kind of the kind of the stereotypical MLM thing, right? So this guy immediately is like, smells fishy. Don't really trust it, whatever, you know. And, uh, but he's like, guy's driving a nice car. Seems like he has money. Like guy seems like he's legit, you know, wasn't super pushy. Just kind of invited him, said, well, if you ever want to, here's what where it is. Lose, right? right. So this guy's like, well, I got a little bit of time. I guess I'll go to this meeting. So he goes to this meeting and, uh, he just like, it resonates with him. Right. He just is like, oh my God, I think this actually is a real deal. I think this is legit. And he said, the biggest thing was, the positivity in that room, the people that were in this room, in this group had all had success. They were, they were loving it. They were loving what they were doing. They loved the program, blah, blah, blah. He's like, I couldn't believe it. Like I, I'm, you know, I hate my job. I hate my life. And you know, I'm trying to get ahead and this, this worked perfect. So he goes and takes the money they'd set aside him. And he's like, my wife was going to kill me. Cause I took the money we'd set aside to get an apartment, <laughs> move out. And I bought, the basic course like not the full boat just the basic course and i said all right, i gotta make this money come right back in or she's gonna kill me so he goes out and hustles his ass off everyone told him how stupid he was he's my family my friends my coworkers. everyone's like you're a fucking idiot like this is gonna blow up in your face you just wasted this money it's another mlm that you're just gonna oh my god i can't believe you got scammed he said that he so every Thursday night they have a uh, a group that he could go to that was his what they call team which is you know when you sign up under somebody you come to the team he goes it was the only place where I got encouragement was Thursday nights at this meeting and he said so I goes the one thing I did that was dishonest he goes I told my boss at Walmart that I was taking night classes and that I had to take Thursday nights off for my night class 
And he goes, what's well, kind of true. It was kind of a class. It's a night but class. And he says that. it was a night. Semantics. It was kind of a class, you know. <laughs> and so he would go to these meetings on Thursday, and he said it was his only reprieve because it was the only place where people supported him and told him he made a good decision that this was going to work. And it was just like, you know what? That's true about all of us in the world. Like literally the majority of people want to tell you how you're screwing up. They want to tell you that you're wrong, that you're going to fail. But we all try to find that room, that Thursday night room that we can hang out in. And and a lot of us are, you and I are lucky enough to be surrounded by good friends and people that we're mm-hmm. constantly in that room. It's not just Thursday nights. We're in that room all the time because we have people telling us, yes, you can do it. Or but it a was, bowling alley. Or a bowling alley, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just we're lucky. And But you listen to this guy talk and he's, you know, tearing up and he's getting emotional telling the story. He's like, I, everywhere else in the world was against me except for my wife and the people in that Thursday night room. And he says that was uh, five years ago. He said this year um, we just crossed over the $3.5 million line that we've made wow. doing real estate with this program. And he's like, I've made the million dollar club this year, meaning I made a million in a year. And um, our total earnings in five years now is over $3.5 million. Wow. And it was just powerful because he's just up there crying. He's got this young, ba- you know, he's got a new young baby and a five-year-old. And, you know, and he's just like, everyone except the people in that room told me I was going to fail. And then I listened to the people in that room. And everyone just, you know, standing ovation. Everybody's, you know, 600 people all cheering. But it was honestly how I felt being in that room, not as someone that had the program, not as someone that was, you know, there to sell it or buy it. I just was a guy listening to everybody talk. And and to me, listening to what sales stuff they were teaching, right? And it was just amazing to me. I'm just like, holy cow, this is exactly what you're supposed to do in sales, you know, surround yourself with the right people, do these kind of things, you know, work together to get everybody better, kind of rising tide, right? Yeah, rising tide raids all ships, you know, <laughs> it, it was just, it was phenomenal. And it was, it was, like I said, it was encouraging to hear that they are kind of going to that basics like that, you know? That's those, those are the universal truths, right? It gets, and I, I've hammered the, I hammered the horse, it's the best practices. It's figuring out what works, understanding the why, and repeat. Yeah. Put it into a process and repeat. I mean, the irony of it is it really isn't that hard. But also, if you think about it, dieting, a diet, <laughs> it's not that hard. Mm-hmm. Working out, it's not that hard, right? We're behavioral in nature which, and we're emotional, mm-hmm. right? I don't feel like getting up tomorrow morning early to go work out. So I'm not gonna, but guess what? I'm also not going to get closer to being in shape. Mm-hmm. If I don't make the time to, to prioritize that. Um, I mean, Jessly, who's sitting in a chair, reading a book, probably doing homework, she got into a discussion with her one of her classmates, and the debate that they were having was whether or not her friend has enough time to do her homework. <laughs> and my 14-year-old daughter argues and says, yeah, you have enough time to do your homework because you got to make time to do your homework. You're choosing to do other things instead of doing your homework. Nobody's making you spend, quote-unquote, quality time with your brother. Like, that's great. 
but (laughs) you're choosing to spend those time units on other things. You have the time. You just choose to not make it a priority. And it's, I mean, that's pretty simple math when you figure it out, but it's really, really hard to execute. And one of the successful things about that type of a program is it does set you up to succeed. I mean, as a super weird pivot, one of the things that you were saying, if you go back and look at the history of Alcoholics Anonymous and you look at the success of where that started and why, it was just two alcoholics that decided to get together and hold each other accountable one day at a time. Yeah. And then support groups. And it's, I mean, if you look at how the structure of how that works, it's a program that works because they've figured it out and it's daily because that's what demands. That's what the market of, of that of alcoholism demands or any kind of an addiction. It demands that type of rigid structure because it's such a difficult thing to overcome. It That's part of the human thing, man. I mean, it's weird to put that into the same boat as kind of some of the stuff we're talking about. But if you take away what we're talking about, the subject matter, and look at the idea of programmatic type stuff, best practices, what works, it's, it's all similar principles. You got to do the work to get the result. And the work, there's enough people that have done stuff in the past that they'll tell you, here's what it's going to take. Well, it's ding, super ding. similar because like what you're saying is that, it it kind of is a giant alcoholics anonymous class because what they're doing is almost in reverse though they're showing the positive and they're keeping each other right. accountable I, it was their award ceremony uh and i know if if bob ever lists bob snyder's the owner if he ever listens to this um i i think you know this bob i'm not telling you anything you don't know it's the longest award ceremony i've ever been to in my life we left there at the one o'clock in the morning oh, we started God at five and we and these are not participation trophies but here's what they're doing they are recognizing people who are winning and they are putting numbers on it this is no yay everybody wins kind of thing this is no like um no we're not gonna like rub or rub their faces in it that this person made that much money no we're gonna blatantly put them on stage and hand them a huge trophy that has the amount of money they made this year on the trophy that's that's the shit i love like okay whoever sold you know who who made a ten thousand dollars in one month that you know come up here and get your you know and they name off all the names ding 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 so 600 people people are lining up to come up and get their medallion for ten thousand there's people that were making there was a guy the highest earner made a hundred and ten thousand dollars one month in commissions (laughs) one month so like you're wow. sitting here looking at these and they're like, you know, these guys that are winning the top producer of the year are winning because they're selling millions of dollars, not, you know, hundreds of thousands, it's millions. And they're parading them on the stage in front of these other people, again, as accountability in my mind, kind of like AA. Well, it's, it's, they're it's saying validation, right? They're saying, "Hey, what did you do?" Cuz this guy and a lot of them and they make them tell the story because they're like I am not, like I said, they got me hook, line, sinker with the fact that it was just like real people telling real stories. They weren't polished. They weren't good at it. They were just like, man, I did this and now I own three three rental houses and I, you know, and this is how I did it. 
And, um, you know, thanks to this program, I did this. And it was one of those things where, like, you, you feel like, you know, I got to think that if you're sitting there and you're holding your little 10000 medallion thinking you're all happy, and then you see a guy up there with a $110,000 medallion, and you're like, I want that. And so it's one well, of those motivational that's part things, of the culture, right? right? Yeah. That's part of the culture. It's part of the validation. It gives you something to look forward to. Everything's forward moving, right? You're, you're right. It's it's a positivity validation ceremony of grandeur. But everything's looking forward and moving forward and marching up that mountain. I guarantee you if you ask the guy that did 110000 in a month, are you satisfied? He's not going to be like, eh, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm good. No, he's got another goal. He's like, no, mm-hmm. actually, my goal is to get to 150. Yeah. And that once he hits that, uh, my my new goal, because that's the way I'm wired, that's part of the culture of what makes us successful. It's my new goal is 200. Every, I can't I mean, tell you how many yeah. times I heard someone get on stage and say, thank you. Yeah, this is great, Bob. But next year, I'm going to be on that million-dollar right. pin. I want my million-dollar pin because they give out these pins for a million-dollar when you're in the million dollar club and every one of them, I'm going to be on the million dollar pin next year. You guys wait, come back next year. I'll be, you know, like the competitiveness. And that goes back to like one of my first jobs I ever worked when I was trading lumber. I worked on a trading floor where we, you know, and we were at the cusp of like, you know, you and I grew up in the time frame where we kept score in little league and we kept score in Y ball and everything was about winning and you didn't get participation trophies and all that. Right. And, and it was that, but we were kind of on the cusp of that where people were like, well, we don't talk about how much money we make. And right. and it was starting to happen. And I worked at this job where literally every day when you sold something, you walked up on a whiteboard and they called it the walk of fame. And you'd walk up there and you, the bragging board and you would write your commission you made on that sale. You'd hang up your phone and you'd smile and everybody would be looking at you and you'd be walking up there and you'd grab the cap off the felt pen on the whiteboard and you'd freaking write up there what you made in commission. And and I remember there's a guy named Lynn Wood and Lynn was like the top dog. He sold cedar. It was high end cedar. And we would go up there and I'd write a, a, you know, I'd sell some framing lumber and I'd write $250 and just be like, fuck yeah, fuck 250 baby. And then sometimes I'd sell two or three trucks. So I'd write 250, 250, 250. And I'd be moonwalking back to my desk Lynn would just sit there all day, and all of a sudden he'd hang up his phone quietly, kind of pick his teeth a little bit. He always took his shoes off at his desk, so then he'd slowly slip his shoes back on. He'd walk up to the board, and I'm not shitting you. He'd write up there $5,000, and then he'd write another 5000 And you're like, you just sold $10,000? He's like, yeah. And it was that thing as a young kid watching this guy who was in his 50s write that up. I'm just like, I'm going to be Lynn Wood, man. I'm going to be, you know. So I think that, you know, like that's something in our culture, especially in the sales culture that we've got away from like really rubbing people's noses in the fact of what the good guys are making. It shouldn't be like, hey, don't don't tell them what your commission check was this month. No, fuck you. Tell them what your commission check was. Because I want them to be motivated to do it. If they're the right. type that but gets beat down, it. then they're right. not the right. They're not in the right job. Don't be in ding, sales. Ding, ding. Go it's, somewhere else. That's exactly what it is. If you don't fit, it's okay. Go find where you fit. Right. right. If you can't handle that type of a culture, right. It's okay. That it's not the end of the world. You don't have to agree with everybody. You don't have to fit everywhere. Like that idea that everything's got to be fair. No, it doesn't. No. Life's not fair. Here's the deal. A non-fair world forces you to grow. It's actually better for you. 
And it might actually force you from the shitty rut you're in into the racetrack that you were born to be on so that you can fly. That's the goal. You don't want to be in the rut. Well, and I think Get the, out of the rut. The, the, bringing it back to, you know, giving Renatus the, the kudos a little bit is that or a lot is that is correct. All that's correct. And, and I think it does happen in some places, but the one thing that I would say usually happens is I've never really worked too many places where you know, the top sales guy wants to take any time to teach the other guys how to get to his numbers. It's kind of more like, no, I'm not telling you my secrets. This is, you know, figure it out. Uh, And, and, and it's competitive in the way of like, I don't want you taking my sales or taking things away from me. I will say I've never in my 48 years been in a room with a bunch of high end high earners and high performers like that making that much money who were more willing to sit down and talk to a guy that just walks up to him at the lunch table and says you know you're so amazing that's such a great story can you give me any you know any tips yeah man let me tell you how i did it like this is how i did it and blah 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 blah. and then some of those you know some of these high earners are the instructors too so like you know some of them are like yeah like watch my course like i'll teach you how to do it like i mean there's it's just like that's the whole beauty of this program is like they're literally giving back and and i think the big thing that really resonated with me is i i'm at a spot in my life where i don't have to perform at the top anymore i don't i just don't have to like i've you know we're at a point where i can kind of half-ass it honestly i don't have to and i and and we've talked about that and i you know heather's asked me like kind of what drives me to you know what drives us to keep going and and it's you know (laughs) one of those things where i like i am i used to just be so worried about me and my check and and what i'm doing for my stuff I actually love and get off on the fact that when other people are successful, if I can help them be successful and Heather gets after me cause I'll sit on the phone with, I'm no longer employed or contracted to the company I was with. Um, I haven't been for almost a year now and I still take phone calls from my distributors, my previous distributors that I no longer make a commission on. Mm-hmm. And I will sit on the phone for a half hour with them telling them how to, you know, yeah, you probably need to do this. You probably need to do this. There's a guy doing my job now. You know, there's two guys doing my job actually. And these guys still, um, you know, and no hack on those guys. If they, you know, I know they listen from time to time, but, and nothing against them, but we just have a relationship with them. And I am more than happy because I just love hearing, you know, teaching people how to do this stuff. Right. I teach people how to do podcast stuff. You know, it's like, I mean, I'm like, this is great. I love doing the podcasting. And they're like, oh, really? Yeah, we use the, you know, Roadcaster. We love it. It's a great board. I mean, you can pick it up here. It's, you know, I can teach you how to, you know, like I literally, you know, I love that stuff. And that's what this business is. And that's what the owner of the company says is we are here to make people's lives better. And that's really all they want to do is they just want to give people tools that make their lives better. You kind of hit on something that I, I think is noteworthy is the balance between leaning too far into efficiency. That's the person that is so programmatic that it has to be done by the book. And somebody that gets the big picture, that idea of missing the forest through the trees, right? Mm-hmm. You can get you can get lost in the forest trying to figure out all the trees and never realize the beauty of the forest. Like there's, there's going to be a balance of that. There's, and I, I mean, I'm not, Personally, I'm not a big process guy because I'm more of a creative guy and I recognize I love the process so that I can 
figure out if it works. And if it doesn't, I'm not, I'm not glued to it. I'm not stuck to it because I'm going to, I'm going to let the creativity that's in my brain figure out the best solution. Sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes I discover something else that's awesome. So holding those two things, those two ends of that spectrum with kind of open hands is a really subtle thing and a, a nuance to, to looking at what is that best approach where Heather might look at you and say, you're not being efficient with your time because you just spent half an hour on the phone with somebody that's not giving you a return on that investment in the immediate right now. But that relationship thing, dude, you have no idea what's down the hallway of your life. Oh, yeah. That door, that door with that individual or somebody that knows that individual gets opened because of that relationship. And man, my, my life philosophy is I would like to be kind to everybody and respect everybody and leave all the doors of my future unlocked and ready to open because I don't know where it's going to take me. There may be a conversation that you have with somebody just like that, that young guy at the quick loop place that has a conversation with a total stranger. Five years later, he's on a stage saying that he made a million dollars that year. Like that's, that's not normal. (laughs) That's amazing. But those trajectory shifts happen. And when you're looking for the positive things out of that, when you're like what you were saying earlier, looking for those nuggets of, yeah, there might be, there's always going to be risk, but is the, is the reward on the other side of it? If you put in the time and put in the work and follow the follow through on all the details, it's worth it if you do it. You just got to have the courage and the discipline to do it. Honestly, that's the after getting through all of that stuff and at the end of the week and kind of, as, you know, obviously like you know, the four hour drive home, you know, we're driving home and I'm just like, it's just like racking my brain about all these different things. And I'm like, it's just crazy to think like even just, I, you know, and I hope I'm, I should take time to at least say uh, hello if there's any uh you know, list new listeners because I did hand out the podcast to a few, uh, probably 20 people at that uh, conference that I met and talked to. And we were talking, you know, and it would come up about the podcast or whatever. And uh, so if any of you are listening, hello, and uh, hello. Uh, hopefully you're enjoying it. But, uh, I, you know, I, and I'm talking about those people because I, those, those are the people that I met, you know, uh, at, at the coffee break and standing out front of the, you know, you know, during breaks, you know, going to the bathroom, you know, you meet people walking back and forth, sitting at the lunch table, whatever. Like there were so many people that I met that were just positive individuals that some of them just getting started. Some of them had been in a long time, like, and it just was a universal feeling of like huggers. Like that was another thing. You know how I love to oh, hug. That's why you liked it. So Lots much. of huggers, man. I'm a now big hugger fan. Yeah. I'm like, I'm now like, I know. Yeah, like together just now. Uh, yeah. So like, I mean, but that gives you kind of the vibe, but, um, it, it just was, it was an amazing overall event. And I, and I just, you know, I, I give them a lot of credit because I literally was trying to pick this thing apart and I came out of it with so many nuggets and so many things that I was like, you know, I'm literally while I'm there, I'm like, this is going to be a podcast. So that's why I was so, I wanted to hit it while the strike, while the iron was hot. So this was a a good long podcast. We're over an hour now, so sorry for our uh, long. We haven't gone long we haven't gone an hour in a while. Didn't I know, kind of getting we're winded. Kinda, this one, but. We're kind of out of shape. I'm pretty impressed with us. I know this is my my. It must be all the working out I'm doing, dieting. Yes, 
diaphragm support. Oh, that's, yeah. that's good. God, you wouldn't think I you worked out twice today. Yeah. Yeah, you look good. Yeah. Well, I try. I try. It's I, I got a haircut today too. It makes me look thinner, so uh, anyways, buddy, I think we can probably wrap this thing up, but I, I you know, all I can, uh, you know, kind of give a shout out to Renatus. If anyone wants to look that up, I'm again, not making any money off of this, but, um, I'm happy to answer questions about that, or you can check them out. Um, their, uh, website, I actually just double checked it so I could tell people that is my and, and you can go find them, but, um, good company, really great people. It was, it was really fun to spend time with everybody there and they're, they're really doing some things right that I was super impressed with. And even to the point that I, I, there's a couple of the speakers that I met there that I was like, I think I could try to get these guys on the podcast. I think it could be really uh, beneficial to us in the long Let's run. So I think we're going to work on that. And, um, and uh, as usual, anybody, if you've got questions, answers, comments, so you can uh, hit us up. Uh, Instagram is usually the best way to do that on DMs at uh, at Havoc Partners. Uh, and that's a good way to get hold of us. Uh, yeah, that's all I got. What do you got, Joe? I got nothing. Oh. You, you nailed oh. it all down. Wow. That was yeah. it? You opened so big with the bowling story, and then I thought you'd have something on the way out, but... Well, I mean, I think you're dead wrong. I think Jason Bourne is an admirable adversary, but John Wick is John Wick. <laughs> Good point. I need to learn I mean, more about John Wick, I think. I just John know too Wick much Ford about John Wick. So we were watching the John Wick 1, 2, and 3 before John Wick 4. So my sweet, delicate flower of a daughter who's 14 comes in and watches. And then the other day she's like, so when are we going to go see John Wick 4? We can make it a daddy date. And I'm like, Ugh, I don't know. I'm not sure about taking my 14-year-old daughter to see John Wick 4. She's like, why not? And I'm like, ah, I got a point there. So <laughs> apparently I'm taking uh, taking my sweet daughter on a daddy date to see oh, John Wick 4. She worked you over. Look at that. Yeah. But she would agree. Hey, Jessely. Do you think, Jessely? She's got her headphones in. Hey! got her this she's got the really good uh apple airpods yeah so it's got the sound deadening apparently dad canceling as well love that love Uh, it who do you think would win jason Bourne or john wick born identity jason Bourne, john wick what are your what are your official thoughts oh man i think i stumped her are you processing she doesn't (laughs) you don't know who jason Bourne is I don't oh, see the generational see, gap is, but, there. This this is part of the problem. So Mondo didn't know he hasn't seen any of the John Wicks. I'm very I I am limited on my John Wickness. Here here's the thing, and here's how I'm going to tie this all back. I'm going to tie this all back to the Henry Ford switchboard. God, I knew you had a big vending. I knew you did. Go talk to an expert. Go talk to somebody that knows who Jason Bourne really is. Because he doesn't, he doesn't even know who he is. Right. And John Wick, somebody that is follows those movies and is like, yes, who's going to be the top badass of those of that duo? They'll know. Wow. I mean, Henry Ford would totally. Know I'll hit the button. Yeah. yeah. Hit the button. <laughs> hit the button. To, hit the button to get us out of here. <laughs> Good idea. This was fun, Padna. Need to do this more often. Good job. Yeah, I know. We we've got this whole remote thing down. People don't even know we're like we're FaceTiming. We're on the iPads, yeah. looking at each other on the computers. But uh, we've made it work. So yeah. it sounds good. I like it. But 
All right, buddy. Well, till next time, let's uh, we'll go out. We got some big ones coming. I got some. We got some good guests coming up. So I like it. All right, man. Talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Right. Thanks for listening. <laughs>